the main mental health struggles in the industry are the same mental health struggles outside of the industry. They're just mm-hmm. magnified because of because of society's um, view of, of, of what we do. Welcome back to the Seen and Nonheard podcast, the podcast that is your weekly dirty little secret, which is fine by me, as long as you keep it. For those who've been listening for a while, you know and understand how important mental health is to me. It significantly played a role in my personal life as I have a family history of those with mental health issues, such as bipolar disorder and dementia. Seeing the way mental health challenges plague the sex work community has been something I've become more and more passionate about over the years because it's clear that this is an area where our community is lacking resources. That is where Leah Tannick comes in. Leah is a sex work performer who went on to found Pineapple Support, the primary mental health organization in the sex work community. Her organization provides low-cost or no-cost therapy to sex workers with vetted therapists who understand and empathize with sex workers. And she's only getting started. Please welcome Leah Tannett. Hello and welcome to the Seen and Up Heard podcast. I'm so excited. We have been trying to do this for so long now. Um, I guess basically for the listeners, we should start by introducing you, who you are, and kind of what you've you've cornered in the industry and how you, you've kind of created something so unique and so helpful um, as a resource to people like me and sex workers in general. So I'll let you introduce yourself because I don't want to do you any in- injustice. <laughs> um, so, okay. So I'm Leah Tannett. Um, I was a performer and professional dominatrix for eight years. Um, but I've been in the sex industry for uh, coming up to 20. Um, so, <laughs> um, so the sex, the sex industry is a really big part of my life. Um, and 2018, um, I learned about the, the strong need in the industry for, for mental health resources and, and the lack thereof. Um, and, and, and of course all the lives that we were, we were tragically losing to because of this lack of, of resources. So I decided to create an organization, a nonprofit called Pineapple Support, which provides people working in the online adult entertainment industry with free and low cost mental health care, psychotherapy and counseling. Mm-hmm. And this is, I guess, let me take it back to you. What was that moment that you felt you saw this need very clearly for our industry? Because it's it's very significant for us. Um, I saw the need. It was actually at the Expos Awards show because, I mean, I, I live in Europe. I live in Ibiza, which is, you know, I'm sheltered from everything. I had no idea about, you know, the what's going on within the industry. I just kind of dip in, do my thing, dip out. Mm-hmm. And the reality was never something I was overly aware of. So it was, yeah, it was during the 2018 Expos Awards show when they, I know when we arrived, um, there were some girls putting bracelets on and talking about suicide awareness. And I was like, okay, cool, cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was only during the the, uh, the the presentation at the beginning of the awards show when I learned about the, the, the five well-known performers who, who took their lives due to um, ill mental health. 
-hmm. and also when they have the um well the names come up on the screen to remember all the, the people who had passed that year and the majority of those those people were not they did not die of old age yeah was, you know and and I think there were 18 names and that really really hit and there was a time when you know I was all giddy and drunk on champagne and and I was sat crying thinking why is this happening why is this happening to an industry and a group of people that I that I love so much mm -hmm. um obviously at the time I didn't I didn't I didn't realize that I was going to do something about it there and then. It was uh, I was on the flight home, uh, the flight back from from Vegas to to Spain, and I couldn't sleep for the whole twelve hour flight. I was just thinking, what I need to do something. I need to do something. I do so much on the island for you know I, I raise money for uh, orphanages and for the you know, the, the animal shelters and things mm. like that. And I was like, why am I, you know, I'm putting all this effort into raising money and doing things for, for charities that, that uh, yes, they're close to me because they're on the same island, but it's not a community that, that I'm involved in. Yeah. So, so yeah, it just kind of, it really struck me that why, why I should, I should do something about this if some, nobody else is, is, is doing something and, and I have the, the skills, the business background and knowledge of the industry. It was, yeah, it was, it was kind of like a, I felt like it was my duty. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So that flight home, you had this moment where you realized that you were in a position and you did have a background that you could be of help. So I guess, do you have any background personally in like psychology or therapy or anything of that nature? Or was it just more of like in nonprofits and doing charitable work? Um. A little bit of the charitable work, uh, but mostly I'd run I'd run businesses before, mm -hmm. and you know a, a nonprofit is a business. Um, you know, so so that I've been running businesses for eight years previous to working in the adult industry. So from kind of twenty one, I was I was running um, a chain of retail stores. Oh, okay. So, so that you know, a lot of organization, a lot of managing people, a lot of you know, keeping track of stock you know which is it all it all translates business is business is business um so yes that that was that was more my background with the with the psychology side i've always had a huge interest in psychology um my mother was a mental health nurse um there's been a lot of mental health issues in my family yeah um not necessarily with myself but my with my grandmother and some of my siblings so it's something that's been around Mm -hmm. um which is probably a reason why I've had so much interest in it you know some something like depression for example is so hard to understand unless you felt it yourself absolutely so when you see a family member suffering and you you desperately want to understand so you you do as much research and reading and and, and as, as, as possible yeah I so, and I'm, I feel like I've mentioned this to you before, but I also have a family history of mental health with depression, bipolar. So like this organization and what you're, you're doing in all of your work is super impressive to me. And just for the fact that I know what that looks like and how scary it is and how many people it affects and how little people are talking about it, especially in our industry where we're always vulnerable, not just like in our work where we are putting ourselves on display, you know, maybe physically, but emotionally we're public figures and we're 
open to public scrutiny. And that's such a huge piece of what we go through that people mm -hmm. don't consider. Um, when it comes to some of the biggest issues you see performers struggling with in regards to their mental health, what would be the biggest ones that stand out to you? Oh, the biggest ones to stand out is depression and anxiety, really. Uh, you know, and I think it's just the most common and the most, most prevalent within, within general society. It's just, it's just amplified in our industry because of the, the stigma that's attached to the work and the, uh, the lack of resources and the inability to, to, to talk to people, to, to open up to family and friends about how you're feeling without, without worry of judgment and without worry of it coming back onto you. Well, it's because of what you do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I, I think, yeah, the, the main, the main, the, the main mental health struggles in the industry are the same mental health struggles outside of the industry. They're just mm -hmm. magnified because of, because of society's um, view of, of, of what we do. Yeah. It, it's like, it seems like we're isolated in a unique way because we're doing something that we are proud of and empowered to do, but the people we would look for typically for support, whether it be like family or friends or even peers, just, just people you come into contact with that, you maybe, maybe you want to befriend or you want to date them or whatever it may mm -hmm. be. It's like this extra elephant in the room to have to overcome. <laughs> when I mentioned to my dad what I was going to do, and bless him, I mean, you know, he's, he's so supportive and he's always been really supportive of my life choices. When I said, you know, I'm going to set up a, a nonprofit to, to provide mental health care to people who work in the adult industry. And his response was, but they chose to work in the industry. I'm like, Dad, you do understand that I'm a sex worker and that I chose to work in this industry. And if I had mental health problems, I'd like to think that you'd want me to get support. Mm -hmm. And those kind of clogs, like ticking. And you think, oh yeah. Oh, I didn't think of it that way. Like, oh. And it just shows you know, for, for someone who is, who is a supporter of, of sex workers to immediately go there is like, yeah, this is, this is how society views and this is the, this is the immediate jump. Yeah. Do you feel like maybe educating people outside our industry would help to kind of, like how you just mentioned with your dad, to help, help curve that stigma of the way they see us? Because even though they may support us, I do find, even with my personal friends and relationships, sometimes they don't they don't make that connection of we're still normal people. We still face the same issues. We still need the same resources. They just assume like, oh, well, if you are brave enough to do that, you'll be fine. Or if you chose that, you'll deal with the consequences. And I don't know, they, they remove that human element almost to us being people in our industry. Yeah. I feel like that if we educated maybe more people outside the industry, regular people who may not choose a lifestyle like this, it might make things simpler for us inside it has that been your experience yeah, absolutely it's, it's like it's like removing the taboo mm -hmm. um not completely because the taboo is part of why it's so appealing yeah. but you need to you need to break down some of those barriers because it, it is such an unknown world unless you're actually in the adult industry in some way shape or form you don't really have any idea about it. There's, there's, there's only, you know, it's, it's like a, a goldfish bowl. Yeah. People can look in, but, but unless, unless you're inside it, you, you don't understand what it feels like. And 
and what it feels like to be a performer and the the pressures yeah um and you know just trying to get in, trying to have a relationship as an adult industry performer and you know love is such a huge part of of life and of being a human yeah. um and yet you know as, as you said because people don't see performers as as real human beings you know you, you kind of I know the problems I was the problem I always had would be that men would go oh look at this how exotic how interesting um and start dating me because they wanted to date the exotic interesting person and that's really cool and then they catch feelings and then suddenly it's not cool and there's arguments and it's you shouldn't do this anymore and you know the majority of people I know in this industry are in this industry because they absolutely love it mm -hmm. and you shouldn't change and you shouldn't stop doing what you love because of a person and you, you should just be accepted and yeah I think that's that's a big part of it is acceptance yeah. feeling accepted yeah. by society and and by loved ones Th those needs mm -hmm. for like love and acceptance those are fundamental very human things that everyone struggles with or yearns for so it's it's kind of, it's always interesting to me to to see people in day-to-day -day relationships even non-industry related to for some reason assume or assert that they feel someone doesn't deserve those things for any reason whether it's you know they something insignificant they dropped out of college so they don't deserve that respect from that professor or whatever it, it everyone deserves love and acceptance and also to have support in the things that they choose to do so having something like pineapple support where we can lean on it as a resource if we don't have support at home or if we're struggling with things that we you know come into or have to face because of our our career choice it's an invaluable resource and i think that well not even just having on the podcast but highlighting the fact that it's available because i feel like people don't use you guys the way they should be. You guys are such a great resource. Um, what what does your your support system look like? Like, how can people get in touch with you? How can someone use your resources if they're not aware? So we have we have a number of resources. Um, the first one, which I think is the the most used, is um, is one on one therapy. So we have currently a hundred and thirty something. Um, therapists and counsellors that work with us they are all licensed they're all licensed therapists and counsellors um, they're across Canada the US uh, Colombia Brazil UK Europe and Australia currently um, and so with this basically we, we offer one-on-one -on -one therapy we offer up to 24 sessions which if you went every week would be six months mm -hmm. but you know you could start pittering them out you could go once a month blah blah blah, blah. um we do this on a sliding scale so basically when you apply you tell us what you can afford so if you can afford 20 dollars per session that's what you pay and we cover the rest for you wow. um so we generally get people connected with a therapist within within a week um and we have therapists now who specialize in lots of different areas and we can offer lots of different types of support, which is, which is fantastic. Um, we also have monthly support groups. So every month we have a, a different theme and each month we have a, a 
a, a support group and a webinar focusing on that theme. So uh, if you look on the website, either under support groups or webinars, you can see what, what we have there and you can sign up well in advance for the, for the support groups. Um, and we have a 24 seven emotional support service, which is completely anonymous. And if you would like to volunteer, you can do that by um, going to the website and planofsupport.org and clicking volunteer. Anyone can volunteer. You have to take an active listening training course. It is completely anonymous. Um, so if you're going on there for support, there are lots of performers on there. I know there's lots of performers' parents on there, which is really nice. Um, and also I know there are some fans on there as well. As I said, it is completely anonymous and you can look through somebody's bio to see whether that's the person you want to speak to or you want to speak to somebody else. Um, we're working really hard on that resource at the moment to try and get more volunteer listeners. Um, but but we've, we've had great feedback and we've had people not being able to get hold of a listener, which is, which is our mission at the minute. We need more listeners. Um, <laughs> and, um, and we're also, we also offer workshops. We had a breathwork session, which was really, really cool. Um, we have coming up in December, the Pineapple Summit, where we, we have, we're going to do it live this year with mm -hmm. webinars from our therapists. And it's all going to be focused around um, sexual trauma and um, sexual, emotional and physical abuse. And that's going to be in honor of uh, our therapist, Dr. Amy Harwick, who was uh, murdered in, in February. Oh man, that's, that's really, that's wonderful. It's a wonderful way to honor when, when you guys come in and you're, you're working with someone the way that your therapists do, are there things that you ask that maybe a normal therapist or a normal professional in mental health services industry maybe wouldn't know to ask or wouldn't like know to accommodate because they're not used to working with people like us? Um, we don't personally, after you've completed the intake form that we connected you with a therapist and we have no access to your medical files. It's, you know, that's, that's, that's between you and your therapist, but the therapists that we work with, um, are all interviewed and they're asked certain questions, you know, have you worked with sex workers in the past? Um, what do you think are the main issues faced by sex workers and what are your views on sex work? They are the three most important questions. And um, you can usually tell a lot by a person, about a person, but by the way they answer those questions. Uh, the majority of the people who work with us have worked with sex workers before, but some of them haven't. Uh, and we provide an optional uh, training course for those who haven't worked with sex workers before. And that's, um, I think it's about 20 bucks, you know, it's not. Okay. Um, so, so yes, uh, I, I think, I think one of the, one of the, one of the biggest things about coming through us for therapy is that you don't have that hurdle of just that telling your therapist because that can be that can create a huge amount of anxiety yeah just you know you're, you're meant to have a really intimate connection with your therapist and to not be able to tell them about such a big part of your life yeah. or to have even just have that bit of a bit of anxiety and fear about broaching the subject can can affect your, your whole therapy process. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I, when I, I've been in therapy, I really personally love therapy and I wish I could do it every week for forever because I think it's a great preventative tool for mental health. And since I do have that family history, I, I value it very highly. But when I 
first began going to therapy, I think it was like 2012, um, that was something I struggled with because I felt like when I told my therapist I did sex work, immediately she was going to have these biases as if all my problems and trauma stems from either sexual abuse or from the sex work that I do. Whereas I feel like sex work has been such an incredible experience for me and it's actually helped me overcome a lot of things I've faced and issues I've mm-hmm. gone through. So I, I understand that and why that would be difficult and also how it, it puts all these other fears in your head like, well, now if I say this, they're going to relate it to sex work. And that's not an issue where I feel it's more something that happened with, you know, a boyfriend or a parent or a sibling or a friend or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Um, so I totally get that. And I've been there and I do, I did feel like kind of everything I said had that constant nagging in the back of your head, like, oh, they're going to make it about my, my career. They're going to make it about my work. Um, I also think that there's kind of a stigma for sex workers, especially women in sex work that, you know, we're here under either duress or we're here under a sexual trauma or we're here under like some kind of daddy issues pretense. Mm-hmm. Um, do you find that that's actually often the case or do you find that it's not the case hardly at all or it's kind of a mix of both? Um, it's really hard to say. I mean, I, I, I want to say that it's not the case at all. When we did a, a survey on a mental health survey, it was an anonymous mental health survey, mm-hmm. and I can't remember the exact figures because they're, they're not in front of me, but the amount of performers who had experienced sexual abuse was marginally, marginally higher than the national average. And so I'm going to say it's probably about the national average because, you know, it was too two-thirds of women um, under the age of 24 will experience sexual Mm. abuse or some horrific Mm. statistic like that. So to say that all the majority of of female performers have been sexually abused, but actually the majority of females have been sexually abused. Yeah. So, um, so yes, it probably is true, but that's, (laughs) but that's not why they're, they're in the industry saying that. I mean, for me, you know, I, I experienced um, sexual trauma and being in the industry was a fantastic way for me to take control of, of what happened to me sexually. Mm-hmm. So it, it was all part of a healing process. Yeah. Um, I know when I've done um, seminars before at events, when I've asked everyone in the room who's been sexually abused and the majority of women put their hands up. But would that happen in a normal room? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I had that conversation with my husband, actually, because I was explaining to him, I think it was in the U.S., we had a, a Supreme Court judge that was being accused of sexual assault, and the topic really came forward with the Me Too movement and everything going on right now um, over here. But I was explaining to my husband, like, I don't know a single woman that hasn't been sexually abused. And he's like, well, how can that be? I was like, because it's something we we go through at alarming rates and that a lot of us don't talk about. And I had to kind of reframe his perception because he, I mean, how could he know if he hasn't experienced it, which I understand, but I think a lot of people try to associate women and sex work and performers with sexual trauma when really, like you're saying, it is a woman having trauma issue. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
that's tough. I, I also with the, the other topic too, with like saying that all women in porn or all women in the industry have some kind of daddy issues or something at the focus of that. Uh, I don't know if I can, if I feel like that's my, been my experience either. A lot of performers I know have really great relationships with parents, yeah. usually both of them. So I, I just think that the misconception, it, it does our industry so much harm when it's not even the reality, you know, of the situation. And certainly, almost. I mean, again, it's difficult because all the performers that I know um, are able to have access to pineapple support and go to the trade shows and, and so on. So they're certainly not under duress. Yeah. So uh, they all decided to join the industry because they really like it. Mm -hmm. They they really like being on cam. They really like the attention. They really like sex. Mm -hmm. And but that's we're in a very privileged position where we only see that group of people. That's exactly. Um, uh, but but certainly that group of people is thousands. Yeah. And of those thousands of people, they've all chosen to be in the industry because they want to be in the industry. Yeah. Do you feel like when it comes to maybe the smaller performers that we're not seeing with the success and who are very proud and very, like the people we're describing, the people that, you know, we know have the access to the resources and are thriving, do you feel like it's the smaller creators that maybe aren't seeing huge levels of success right away or are I guess struggling financially do you think the financial hardship that can come with being honestly just having your own business can affect mental health for performers yes absolutely I mean financial stress is is huge yeah not knowing but but everyone lives to their means yeah unless you're very very clever and you you're putting a lot of money aside but I know when I was in my late teens, early 20s, I wasn't putting money aside. I was earning a shit ton of cash stripping, rolling it up, putting it in my bedroom drawer and just flitting it away on designer handbags and X, Y, and Z. Because you think you're going to live forever and you think you're going to make this money forever. Um, so I think even for, for performers who are, who are making a good amount of money every month, a lot of them are, are living to themselves. When something happens like COVID mm -hmm. and, and, and your income drops, I mean, I know a lot of people are working with um, Fan Central and so on and, and carrying on to make, making more money actually on some of these sites. Um, but a lot of the, the porn performers who were going on set are now unable to do that. And that's a huge chunk of income, that's thousands per month. So that, you know, w whether you're earning a little or a lot, when it drops, it, it can it can have a huge impact because, you know, you, you're, you're living to your means. Yeah. You've got the car you have to pay off. You've got your insurance. You've got your, your apartment. Um, and we, we see performers coming to us for support that have um, been in the industry for a small amount of time and don't have a huge amount of followers. And then we have performers coming to us who've been in the industry for years and have, you know, millions. Yeah. So it, 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 mental health affects everybody across the board. And yes, financial stress is, is an additional stress, but it's, yeah, it's, it's there for everybody. 
yeah, it's the, I feel like it's almost like the same as sexual trauma. It's, it's the same thing we're all dealing with. It's just that we're in this industry, that we chose this for work. And we're not getting very much support. Exactly. I, uh, I wanted to, because you touched on COVID a little bit, and obviously there are people that can't get on set and that, that will affect them if they're in mainstream um, porn production. But have you noticed any increase? Because that's a big concern of mine because I, I do understand mental health and how being in quarantine and in isolation, additional isolation than we already have can take a huge toll on mental health. Have you seen that? We've had a 60% increase wow. since COVID. Yeah. And um, and not as and, and and obviously the the companies are unsure of the financial future. So so keeping the balance between ensuring that we can keep providing this support and a huge huge influx of um of, of new requests is is tough. Is it is it a combination of factors like we're saying like it's a combination of financial stress it's a combination of isolation it's a combination of things or is it is there one significant factor as i said the, the majority of people are coming through to us for um problems around uh, depression and, and anxiety which uh, isolation is a huge contributing factor too yeah so yeah i mean i i can I would put I would put it down to the isolation I think, but I I, I don't know because as, as I said, this is between the therapists and yeah. Yeah. we are having a lot of performers reaching out, having to lower the amount that they're able to contribute towards their therapy, which obviously we are accommodating because we understand that that this is what's needed at this time. Um, but yeah, you, you can you can really really see the the difference that it's made. What would you say, like, in terms of, like, pillars for mental health? Like, for me, I know, like, having a strong support system has helped me tremendously. I know having, um, for, for me personally, because I've always been bad with my finances up until these later years, has been getting better financially, like, with my knowledge of how to save and how to prepare for the future, just to have some kind of security, because we're always in flux in our industry um, any given month, and obviously a pandemic exacerbates that but are there pillars that performers should should consciously work towards strengthening that will improve their mental health overall i think um a, a strong support system as you mentioned is is really important and you know for, for some it's 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 not possible as as then then reach out and use our 24 7 emotional support service because there's always going to be someone there that's um, you know, ready to talk to you. Uh, um, self-care. And when I say self-care, that's not just having a bubble bath and taking time, time away from your phone, which is really important. Um, but self, self-parenting, making sure you pay your bills, making sure you do all the things that you don't necessarily want to do. Um, my, my friend said to me once, um, apparently it was Mark Twain who said it, eat the big fat frog. If you, if you know, if when you wake up in the morning that you have to eat a frog and you know that throughout the day, at some point in that day, you've got to eat a frog, you do it first thing in the morning and then it's done and you don't have to think about eating the frog. And if you know in a day, you've got to eat two frogs, eat the big fat one first. <laughs> so that's what, 
<laughs> I say when I get up in the morning, Mia, eat the big fat frog. Just sit down and eat that frog. I love that. <laughs> yeah, support system, self-care, and saying no. Okay. Oh, saying no. When you don't want to do something, say no. When it comes to a, whether it's a fan or, or a job proposal or, or your friends asking you to do something, you don't want to do it, fucking say no. Um, and, and this is something that I'm learning a lot because I'm spending a lot of time with therapists now. I'm talking to therapists a lot. And I've always been quite a yes person, a very accommodating. If I can help you, I will. Oh, you've asked me to do this. I know it's something you really want to do. So okay. Um, and I've noticed with a lot of my therapist friends, they just say no to me. Like, oh, no, I don't want to do that. And you go, oh, you can say that? <laughs> <laughs> well, okay then. And I'm not going to take offense because you've just said you don't want to. And that's a really valid reason not to do something. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, I think le learning to say no when you don't want to do something, looking after yourself, I think that's all part of self-care and, and really taking time to, you know, to ensure you, you, you spend time with your friends and do the things that you want and make sure that you've got that support network. Finding balance in your life is, is really, really hard. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's something that, again, that I'm, I'm learning. I've done two, two years, two and a half years of, not leaving this office and my laptop and then there was COVID 2020 was going to be my year of um socializing and then there was COVID and then since COVID you kind of go out and think okay I'm going to start being I'm going to start doing this now and I, and and then you go out too much and yeah. then you have to work. and it's all this finding balance between making sure you get the right amount of work done that you're paying your bills that you're looking after yourself but you're still enjoying yourself and spending time with friends it's all mm -hmm really important and I think that's something that you're going to learn and work on throughout your whole life and you you should not beat yourself up about the balance tipping on either side at any point because it, it's all it's all a learning curve that's that's like my biggest life lesson or like life goal is to find some some normalcy and balance because I'm so bad at that I'm so mm -hmm. bad at that and I know how important it is especially for someone with a mental health history family history so I, I get that completely. And I, I have friends because I'm, I'm a very, I try to be a very high achiever. I want to do all the things and I want to take on all the business responsibilities and I want to, you know, create so much and have some kind of like legacy when I'm done. So I'm very driven by that and I get fulfillment out of a heavy workload and the momentum to keep going. But then there's the days where I am dead to the world and I turn it off and I can't because I, I, I'm done. Like, I just can't give anything else. Um, and I think, and it's sad to say, but I feel guilt over that. Like those days when you turn off the phone and you're not answering the emails or the mm -hmm. notifications and it, it has so much guilt around it. And I know no one else is looking at me like I'm crazy, but I feel like a, a horrible person, <laughs> like an underachiever, yeah. a slacker. But I do know it's important. And I think as I get older, I come to, to grips and to terms with that a little bit better, um, especially when it comes to like the notifications and self-care because I am, I always like to be available to people and saying no has been huge for me, especially in 2020, because 
for some reason, us being home who can like have a fan site or something to create content, uh, our workloads have almost increased where we're like, oh, let's capitalize on everyone being home and everyone being online. So for other people who are getting to like Netflix and chill and watch porn all day, like we're gonna go make it. <laughs> it's been a different experience um, for me or for performers, I would say during COVID for some performers, for the people that, you know, are amateur self-create content, but saying no has been a huge life lesson. And I feel like I've actually been able to achieve more when I say no, because I can focus yeah. on big things that matter, you know? Um, I wanted to touch on something too before we wrap this up because you, you mentioned turning off your phone. Um, how big of a role do you feel like you're seeing social media play in mental health? I, obviously this will apply outside the industry as well, but it's such a necessary evil for us with our work. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I was curious about that. Uh, I think, yeah, I think it plays a huge role. I mean, it's, yeah, as, as you pointed out um, earlier, it's it's a it's the celebrity lifestyle and your whole life is is out there for people to comment on and remark on and whether whether you're getting negative comments and that's affecting you or maybe you've put something out and you haven't got as many likes on it as you would want you know it get it really does boil down to these really minute details now and and the effect that that can have on someone's mental health when they're so focused and so wrapped up in, in the social media world. I mean, I had to recently take a step back from, from social media and um, you know, I've got social media managers anyway. Um, uh, but, but it was like, well, okay, no, I have to stop this for a little while. You completely take over. Um, mm -hmm. And that's what I needed to do for my mental health. And a lot of people, the majority of people aren't, aren't in that privileged position. It's not, and they're not running organizations that yeah. running themselves as, 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 as a singular business. So it's, there are times when you need to take a step back, but maybe it's, it's not possible because, because you need to do all your promotion. Um, I mean, the advice that I would give in, in that instance is to just go on to TweetDeck or whatever scheduling program and schedule your tweets for the next week. Mm -hmm. And then don't look, you're doing your work, you're putting your promotion out there, you don't need to respond. If someone actually is interested in a custom from you or is actually interested in working with you, they will email you or they will send you a DM. Mm -hmm. the, the amount that, that might slip through the net through not looking at your, your, your feeds is gonna, be, is gonna be very, very small. Um, in my opinion yeah uh, but you know sometimes if you, you do need to take that little bit of a step away just to clear your mind then then schedule your tweets mm -hmm. Definitely. And, and, and step back yeah I I found that scheduling has been a huge help even even just like getting my content to publish on time so that it takes consistency out of the equation because it's not a strength yeah. um but I've also found that um what was I going to say with Instagram in general, there's this added, specifically Instagram, there's this added pressure because we could also just be deleted at any moment, unfairly. Um, yeah. Which is, it, it has this other fear because that's such a huge traffic driver for us. I don't feel like a lot of people recognize the discrimination against sex workers within social media even. Has that been something that you've seen like models struggle with or sex workers come through expressing to you guys? Um, 
I haven't seen anyone coming through expressing to us, but I know friends of mine who mm-hmm. have had their accounts repeatedly deleted and they're not breaking any rules. Yeah. They're yeah. not they're not showing any nudity. There's more nudity on, you know, my vanilla friends accounts that are just sat at the beach with their song yeah. on. Um and it's it is there's huge discrimination there. It's it it is yeah. I know I'm, I know there was a little movement that was tr- trying to do something about it at one at one point and yeah I, I'll be honest with you I don't know the ins and outs I don't know if you can email someone I think you can email someone with Instagram but not with Twitter you can, or yeah you can appeal but I mean it, you don't ever hear anything back so I don't know I don't know it's just yeah. added struggle on top of everything mm-hmm. else performers are already dealing with and already juggling like oh well I might not have a huge traffic stream next week who knows <laughs> no it's not it's not fair no it's not, <laughs> it's not fair it's not um in terms of all the resources you guys have available is there anything that you would want to let performers know before we wrap this up about pineapple support about the things you offer or anything like that um just you know if if you're struggling even if in your mind, it's nothing big. Please reach out because it's it's better to come to us when when it isn't a big a big problem. When it becomes a big problem, it's harder to fix. Yeah, like you know, like any kind of physical illness, nip it in the bud at the beginning. Um, as that all all of our therapists are licensed therapists or counselors. Um, some therapists also offer coaching which means that they can provide care to people out of state um it's a it's just it's basically the technicality um but so it it enables us to ensure that we can provide therapy to everyone that comes to us rather than having to put them on a waiting list for who knows how long um and yeah if you if you feel like you could volunteer if you feel like you could be a a, lend a, a kind ear to somebody that that might be struggling emotionally then please do sign up for the volunteer service it would be a huge huge help to us awesome um is where's their social media so that they can follow you guys if you want to get social media is at pineapple ysw which is your safe word Mm, love that love that all right well thank you for sitting down i really appreciate the time and i'm so glad we got to finally do this yes it's wonderful and i hope you guys all sign up to be listeners I will definitely be doing it as well. So I look forward to talking to you and uh, I'm sure this won't be the last time we speak. <laughs> I hope not. I hope I'll get to see you soon. Absolutely. In person. <laughs> <laughs> Mental health and sex work has been fraught with obstacles since it came into existence. Under the obvious stigma and discrimination, this community has been underserved in respect to gaining access to tools that they need as people. Sex workers are just people. And along with dealing with all of the same problems as you listening to this that you might be facing, they also have to navigate additional hurdles being in sex work and everything that that presents. If you are a sex worker and you're interested in working with Pineapple Support, whether it be seeking resources or wanting to sign up as an anonymous listener, please go to pineapplesupport.org. This week's thank you obviously goes out to all of the therapists providing free or low-cost services on behalf of Pineapple Support. The work that you do changes lives.
and we are so grateful that you're doing it. Want to be an individual supporter of the podcast? All you have to do is go to anchor.fm forward slash Melrose and click support the podcast to donate whatever amount per month to help fund more episodes like today's. See you all soon.